What's up, this Shaq Barrett, outside linebacker of the Tampa Bay Bucks, and you're listening to the Fresh Fantasy Podcast. What is going on, everybody? I hope you're having a great day today. This is Alex from the Fresh Fantasy Podcast, and this is the sixth episode of Season 3. Today, we're going all over fantasy land with a 10 questions type of episode with an extremely high-profile guest, previously featured on Sirius XM and The Athletic. He is now a fantasy analyst for NFL Network and NFL.com, known for arguably having the best shoe game in the fantasy football industry Ooh. with over 50,000 followers. He is Michael F. Florio. Welcome to the show. Thank you. That was far too kind of an introduction. The only part that I, I will accept was uh, the shoe part. And I don't know if people would believe this or not. I didn't own any of these sneakers like a year, year and a half ago. I uh, really I got I got I've always liked sneakers. I had some, but like yeah. I always liked them. And then I got older and I realized like, hey, I can actually use spend my money on sneakers now unlike when i was a kid and i didn't have any so i uh, recently started buying some uh some new shoes and just trying to get the collection up so thank you so much no you're very you're very welcome and i just like i remember seeing like every time i like i tuned in to watch your show on tv or wherever it was like i remember always seeing your shoe game and i was like damn like are there there really aren't that many people that i feel like are always repping hard with like good shoes and you're one of the people that's always stuck out so hey props to you on that keep it up you have a reputation thank you now can't go back now, to the old ways. Now when it's hard because I, I had like a you know a few months or so to build it up. And now yeah. I'm like, oh, I've already worn all of these. I, I don't know what to do. <laughs> That's so funny. But before we get into it, I personally, I had to you know twist your arm a little bit to get you into this. But I want to talk about just a quick story of a really cool NFL player that we have both gotten to meet. And I'm bringing up this story for the listeners because this week I got a chance to meet the starting quarterback of my favorite team, the New England Patriots. It's not Tom Brady, but I did get to meet Mac Jones. He came for an event at my school. I got to help out. I got to meet him. And I was just beyond shocked at, at just how down to earth, like how kind he was like from from the get go. Like, I mean, I haven't I've only met a few like professional athletes. But he was like the most humble, down to earth, nice guy, like super funny, like cracking jokes with all the students and stuff like that. Beyond gracious, taking pictures with like every student that wanted to after. Mac Jones is absolutely the man. I hope he works out just so I can say I got the picture. Like I got a picture with Jason Tatum like two years ago, you know, before he started really doing That's his thing out. like he is now. Exactly. So I'd love for Mac Jones to do something similar. You know what I mean? So I can always say I got to meet him, like shake his hand, whatever. But that was a cool story. But we were talking a little before the show, and it sounds like you have a pretty, pretty cool story with a former top 10 NFL pick. So please, we would love to hear your story. I love hearing that Mac Jones is a cool dude. It makes me a little sad that, you know, his best case scenario is finishing second in, in the yep. AFC East now. <laughs> I, I had to get my shots in as a Bills fan. It was it was Absolutely. two decades of of just okay. getting, being a punching bag. But uh, my, my story is uh, it was probably about like six years ago or so, maybe a little bit more at this point. Um, I was at, visiting a friend out in Arizona. We were at some bar in Scottsdale and I turned around and I'm like, that that's Kevin White. And it was the old Bears receiver. He was on FaceTime with, with some lady the whole time. He hangs up. He's leaving the bar. He's walking right by me. I was like, no one knows who this is. I'll say something. And I was just like, hey, good luck this year, man. And he turns to me and he went, thanks. And he hugged me. 
And in my head, I was like, if this guy wanted to pick me up and snap me in half like a stick, he could do that right now. Really? So he's a big guy. In, in, I mean, he's like, what? He's 6'5", I think. Big, and I mean, just this is when he was like still like, you know, just a year or two removed from being a top 10 pick. He was built like a like a tank at the time. Yeah. Well, that you said if it was six or seven years ago, he got drafted in what, 2014 or 2015? My memory is bad. It might have yeah. been That's yeah, 20, yeah, 2015. I was right. 2015 seventh overall. So that was that was like pretty early into before he was actually like a big big time bust. He was like a it was like his sec. I think he had just maybe came off his rookie year or his sophomore year. It was one of those. The, the yeah, my memory is kind of blending all this together. But he was still a young player and still someone that was on like the fantasy radar. That's how I recognized him. That's so cool. Cool to meet players like that. But hopefully Mac Jones will will you know step it up this year in fantasy. Maybe hit a couple more gritties and stuff like that. That would be <laughs> that would be really really great to see. Um, but again, I think you're right that most likely second is probably the best case scenario. But as long as we don't get wiped out by 40 in the playoffs, I will be happy. But today we are talking about fantasy football. I will not bore you guys any longer with me talking about how much I love Mac Jones and I got to meet him and you guys hate the Patriots. We know that. But like I mentioned, today we're talking about a 10 questions type of episode. We're going a little bit all over the place today with a bunch of different things, but also very interesting topics. So the first question I have for you is who's one player that has you really excited about their potential to be great last year? Someone that you saw that really intrigued you that has you really excited for their potential this year? So my first answer whenever people ask me who is a player I'm most excited for, it's very high end, but it's Kyle Pitts. Um, I, I won't go too into him because he he's upper echelon, but I think Kyle Pitts could easily be the tight end one uh, this season. But I'm really excited for Michael Pittman Jr. I, I think that this guy is a borderline top 15 wide receiver. I don't think you're going to have to pay that price on in drafts, at least in early drafts. You're not paying anywhere close to that price, but he showed us last year that he is an alpha wide receiver one, in my opinion. Great contested catch option. He's he's a good downfield threat. He could be used in the red zone. But he got a quarterback upgrade this year as well. And and not only – I don't want to bash Carson Wentz. We, we saw plenty of that coming from Indy themselves. But the thing that I like about Pittman is that Matt Ryan will throw the ball out wide way more than Carson Wentz did. And that is where Michael Pittman lines up all the time. He's not one of those receivers that will play a lot in the slot as well. He's a primary like old school X type of receiver who can line up out wide and do things out there. And I just think that Matt Ryan is the perfect pairing for him. Not saying Michael Pittman Jr. is Julio Jones, but we could see a lot of usage similar to how Julio was just a target vacuum for years with Matt Ryan. Yeah, and it's it's funny you say that because I don't I don't have all the data put together yet, but I'm working on it. Like, what does a wide receiver one season look like? And one of the biggest things seems to be target share. And and Michael Pittman is going to get a whole heck of a lot of target share this year. I love that pick. I love the pairing with Matt Ryan. I think he's a big upgrade over Carson Wentz, and obviously a guy that knows how to target his alpha wide receivers. And I picked someone similar, maybe not as good of a quarterback or not as good of a player, but another guy that also flashed. That's Elijah Moore. Elijah Moore is a guy that I'm beyond excited about this year. Same. And we saw it in flashes. So I know that he was a little bit in and out of the lineup the first eight weeks. But once he got into the lineup from weeks eight to 14, I know it's a small sample size, but he was fourth in points per game behind only Justin Jefferson, Cooper Cup, and Debo Samuel. And I love him because there's no real competition for targets now. Could they trade for Debo or someone else? Sure. But right now, there's not a lot of competition for out for, for big targets. 
Zach Wilson and him clearly had a connection. I know all his big games didn't come with Zach Wilson, but when they were on the field together at the end of the year, you could see there was a big connection. I think the sky's the limit for Elijah Moore. I think he's another guy that could get a target share. You feeling the same way? You said same. So I assume you're they're both guys that could get alpha type target shares this year. Yeah, and, and to me, what really stands out with, with Elijah Moore is that middle of the season stretch he had. Yeah. Early in the year, the Jets were doing that weird thing where they make rookies earn their snaps, and then he had a high ankle sprain and the rest of the year was kind of gone. But when he had a stretch in the middle of the year where he was putting up weekly, like almost wide receiver one numbers, um, he had like six touchdowns in six games in that stretch, and it was with a revolving door of quarterbacks that ranged from awful to meh. Like yeah. it was Joe Flacco and, and Johnson and Mike White and Zach Wilson. Like none of those quarterbacks played great last year, but Elijah Moore every week during that stretch was useful. And the one other thing I want to mention is like one thing that I like admittedly, and I sound like a hypocrite even bringing this up with Elijah Moore is like, as fantasy, like we can't be taking out like all the weeks, you know, 12 to 13. Like he had, like this guy was like points per game number two over a two week stretch. But Elijah Moore is a little bit different. Because he was a rookie, and the first eight weeks for a rookie are notoriously like you know not the best games unless you're Justin Jefferson or Jamar Chase, and then even Jefferson slow month. Even Jefferson was started a little slow, exactly. And then beyond that, he got hurt after 14. It's not like he just like you know fell off. And I was like, ah, let's not include this so it sounds better. Like he got hurt. You know what I mean? Like it was like from when he broke out until he got hurt. That was his stretch. So. Go ahead. And I believe the injury was a high ankle sprain, unless yeah. that could be like that. No, that right. is a season ender for some players. Yep. So to hold it against him, it, yep. it it wouldn't make sense to me. Yep. But I think the sky is the limit for this guy next year. But what about on the other side of the coin? Who's one guy that you watched last year that has you a little bit more worried about what next year could look like? Uh, I will tell you right now, I will have no Ezekiel Elliott shares this year. <laughs> I, uh, I, I allowed the echo chamber that is fantasy twitter in the spring and summer to uh doubt myself last year and i will not be doing that again my my i have a you could go back actually i have a thread about ezekiel elliott from after the draft last season where i was saying like his efficiency with and without Dak the year before was down and typically with older running backs especially once you see efficiency dip you don't see it come back up and then so he has no burst anymore like he Long runs are a thing in the past when it comes to Ezekiel Elliott. And then I was saying, Tony Pollard is a really good backup. What if he starts to eat into the workload of Ezekiel Elliott? And we saw, and people were like, no, not with the contract that Zeke has. Well, we saw it become a thing, and I think we could see it become even more of a thing this year. Zeke is purely volume dependent at this point in his career. And the thing is, he finished as the RB7 last season. He never had a single game where he was a top seven fantasy running back. Like he would consistently be an RB2 every week, but because he didn't miss time due to injury, he just finished as an RB1. I can't do it. I, I, I'm done with Zeke. He had a fun run. Other people could take the name and the cowboy love and all that. He won't be on my roster. He, he might be on some of mine and, and not for to like any RB1 potential. I'm not going to be one of those people, but I think if he falls deep enough in drafts where he's going around like running back 20, like he's a guy that I might still be willing to invest in that I know they're going to put on the field and give touches to be a solid RB2, you know, especially if I go like wide receiver heavy, you know, early in drafts or I'm going after Kelsey or Mark Andrews or one of the top tight ends. I think roster construction, like depending on how I build it. I think he's a solid guy that can really fill in some points if he's going. But like if he's going as a top 15 running back, no thank you. But outside of that, you know, I'm willing to take him to, you know, kind of plug in and know that he's still going to probably get me, you know, a solid double digit points every week. But my guy that is on the other side of the spectrum isn't so much the player. 
and it's more the situation and it's DK Metcalf for me. And I think the biggest thing in looking to comparing Sutton and DK Metcalf, and I've already said this in another episode, but like, I don't think that like Sutton is more talented than DK Metcalf. He's simply not. But the argument is that like DK Metcalf last year had 1600 air yards, 605. Sutton had 1534. They were very close in air yards. Yet DK Metcalf was the wide receiver 10. Sutton was the wide receiver 42. And Metcalf was like top eight in target share. And, you know, they're very, very similar, but now they swapped quarterbacks. And we saw how much of a detriment that Drew Locke was to Cortland Sutton last year. And I think that Drew Locke or whatever quarterback they draft might equally be a detriment to DK Metcalf. And we saw with one of the best throwers of the football of the last decade in Russell Wilson that DK Metcalf was still inconsistent last year with someone as accurate as you could possibly ask for. So what is it going to look like when you have someone as inaccurate as humanly possible like in Drew Locke this year? It worries me for DK Metcalf. I'm just not willing to pay a top 15 price right now. Are you more confident in Drew Locke or whatever gunslinger they draft potentially, or are you a little bit out on his price? Yeah, in early drafts, DK still going as like a low end wide receiver one, high end wide receiver two, top fifteen, like in that like twelve to fifteen range. And there's just players that I like more: Keenan Allen, DeAndre Hopkins, T. Higgins, Deontay Johnson, to name a couple. So I'm with you. the The way that that might change, though, is if the Seahawks draft draft Malik Willis because I am yep. a sucker for his upside. Okay. But uh, besides that, like I, I'm done doing the Drew Lock thing. Yep, that's totally fair. And the next thing that we're going to get into is a really fun one. And these are a little bit of a little, little dark horse segment, one at each position. These are players outside the top 12 that we think have a top three potential at their position. We'll start with you. Who is your quarterback? Uh, it depends. I, if we're using my top 12, Trey Lance is number 13. And <laughs> okay. he would be the he would be the pick for me um, if he... Like it's someone that it has to be a quarterback that can run. Otherwise, it's going to have to be a quarterback who has like a nine percent touchdown yeah. rate, like Aaron Rodgers did a couple of years ago. And and I don't ever want to bank on some historical anomaly. So for me, it would have to be a quarterback who can run, like Jalen Hurts or Trey Lance. And Trey Lance is my preferred pick because the 49ers offense is one that every year ranks towards the top in passing yards that come after the catch, meaning that. Jimmy G doesn't do a whole lot in that offense. He just gets the ball out quickly to George Kittle, to Debo Samuel, and let those guys do what they do after the catch. Trey Lance could do that. Trey Lance can also run. He He's arguably up there with like Lamar Jackson and Kyler Murray. Jalen Hurts is the best runners of the football at the quarterback position. And then he's got a cannon of an arm as well. So I think we could incorporate the deep ball there. But if that's not deep enough for you, uh, Derek Carr is another one I think that could have that potential. And this one is definitely deep enough. I'm still not ready to quit on Trevor Lawrence. I think Trevor Ooh. Lawrence is a big bounce back here with Doug Peterson and, and the upgrades they made on the offensive side of the ball. I like that. I like that. My pick is my pick is Trey Lance. Did you say that you have him ranked as your QB 13? As of now, he was originally in my top 10. Um, but then like Wilson got traded and I put Russ ahead of him. Uh, I, I now have Deshaun Watson, uh, unfortunately ahead of Trey Lance. So because of some of the quarterback moves, he got bumped out, but I, I still feel like I'm looking at like Dak and Stafford and Rogers potentially as quarterbacks. I might move Lance ahead of Debo. I think impacts Lance a good amount. Yeah, I think that's fair. Uh, my, my quarterback was also Trey Lance. Like personally, he's in my top 12, but in consensus rankings, he is outside the top 12. And I just think like there's not, besides like Lamar, 
There's no QB that really possesses more rushing upside. Got nothing but really great reports and rave reviews from teammates in practice, and you can take that however you want to in those narratives. And he still has amazing weapons in Ayuk and Kittle and you know potentially Debo. But I think the biggest thing that I want to point to is that we've seen this three years in a row with Lamar Jackson – and then Kyler Murray, and then Jalen Hurts last year. Like, Jalen Hurts was literally the QB1 in fantasy before he had a high ankle sprain in Week 12. Like, Trey Lance, to me, is just Jalen Hurts with good weapons. Like, you know, I think Ayuk and Kittle, like, even without Debo, are still much better weapons and much better offense than Jalen Hurts was ever going to have last year. Trey Lance had 15-plus points in every game that he played at least a half in. I mean, this man, I'm telling you, like, Trey Lance is going to be the guy this year. He is going to be my flag plant as my official announcement. Still putting together all the stats and everything, like, to make my official flag plant, but it's going to be Trey Lance. He's going to break fantasy football this year. We've seen it with three rushing quarterbacks in a row of guys coming in their second year. Trey Lance is going to be that guy this year. But those are our quarterbacks. Who is your running back? And I, I'm, I'm a little bit scared. We didn't talk about this before the show that we might have the same guy here, but there's so many good options I feel like you can make a case for, but I'm curious to hear yours. Yeah, for me, th- this one is a little bit deeper. Um, it- it's not like someone just outside the okay. top 12, although if we're going with someone like that, I, I think it's Saquon Barkley, who I, I still think uh, is healthy. I-, I feel like that's your pick. Um, yeah, that is my pick. <laughs> I- I'll save. I'll let you talk about him. I'm going to pick Travis Etienne here because he – I, I put out on Twitter over the weekend, like, would you be excited? Like, like, let's use Brees Hall as an example. If Brees Hall was a top 25 pick who went to a team that is in need of a running back with a starter that is, is coming off of a very severe injury on a team with an upgraded uh, play caller, with an, uh, a young upside quarterback that brought in weapons and more importantly, upgraded the offensive line, we would all be super excited for him. So why are we not super excited for Travis Etienne? I understand that he's coming off his own injury, but he got hurt in like July. Uh, It's a lot different than tearing your Achilles in in December like James Robinson did. So Robinson, uh, even if he doesn't start on the the pup list, he's probably going to be far from 100% to start the season. Um, So that being the case, I think Etienne is going to get a lot of volume early on. We already know that the rapport is there with him and Trevor Lawrence because they played in Clemson together. And I I think the Jaguars are going to be the team that makes one of the biggest jumps this year from last year to this year. Like, I'm not even giving them a bunch of credit for what they did in in free agency. They did get better. But I think just getting rid of Urban Meyer and having a a stability coach like Doug Peterson is going to go such a long way for this team. I I expect Trevor Lawrence to play a lot better, and that means everyone else around him should be more productive as well, including the running back. That was a first-round pick a year ago in the draft. Yeah, I think the only thing that that I'm held back by is just like, what do – like I know that I've heard like in studies before that – Running backs the year after a list Frank injury, you know, tend to not do as well the first year coming back. And of course, there's a lot of data out there about that. And that could go, you could look at it a bunch of different ways, but I don't know how many running backs got hurt in July and then missed like an entire year rather than getting hurt during the season. So that's the one thing that does concern me, but I think it's talent wise. And I think that like Travis Etienne really, like really could be the bell cow of this offense. Like, I don't think James Robinson will be coming back anytime soon, especially coming in off an Achilles. Like we don't, rarely ever see running backs come back quick from an Achilles and do well. And you can see Cam Akers, you know, as a guy that came back quicker than anyone could imagine. And he wasn't that great. I know it's not a fair comparison, but I'm interested to see what ATM looks like coming off his list, Frank injury, but I'm still a little cautious. My pick is Saquon Barkley, but 
I would have Leonard Fournette and James Conner over him as this top three Same. pick outside the top 12. But I've talked about both of those guys on multiple episodes so far, and I did not want to just keep talking about those same two players. But those are two guys I love. But Saquon Barkley's my guy. I think Brian Dable improves this offense a lot. I think that the offensive line will hopefully get better in the draft. This team's still spending the most money at wide receiver in the NFL. I think their offense is a little bit better than people expect it to be. And I also am among those rare people that think Daniel Jones has been a little bit screwed. Like I don't think that Daniel Jones is like this all-time QB prospect and he's going to be wonderful this year. That's not what I'm saying, but I think he's a lot better than people give him credit for. And I think with a really good offensive coach like Brian Dable, we see that this year. And again, Saquon Barkley's played four seasons. He's finished the top 10 running back in half of them. Why not top three this year? And and the thing about Saquon, because I agree with all three of the running backs you said, like they're all in my top 13. Yep. Um, the thing about Saquon is everyone, oh, he can't stay healthy. A torn ACL, a very common football injury. And then last season, he stepped on someone's foot and, and ended up suffering a high ankle sprain. Like that could happen. I went to the grocery store today. That could have happened to me then. You know, yep. like that's just a freak injury. Yep, exactly. And that's exactly what it's just. It's a freak injury. And I think that I don't want to get into this now because I could go all day with this. But it's the same thing with Christian McCaffrey. Like he's getting these little like stupid banged up nicks and people are like this guy could never stay healthy. He's not tearing his ACL or his Achilles. I mean, these are like little two or three game injuries for the most part. Like it doesn't mean a guy just because he stepped on someone's foot automatically can never stay healthy. But that is a conversation for another day. Go ahead. Before we before we move on from that, my favorite is like, well, he had a high ankle sprain and then he came back and he had a shoulder injury. He must have been like like oh, he must be compensating. Like, no, those those things are not connected. If he had an ankle and then it was like, all right, now he has a calf, it's like, okay, you could say sure. they're connected. Like, like no, and it was a shoulder on the opposite side of his body as well. Like, it's just part of playing football, which yeah, is a very physical game. There was someone last year that like someone got a concussion and then like sprained their ankle and someone was like, well, he just wasn't thinking right after his concussion. And that might have led to like him like spraining his ankle. Like this might be like like this is dating it a little bit. But my favorite injury prone thing ever was Keenan Allen because he uh, tore his ACL and then he ruptured his spleen the next year, which is just like, again, a, a medical freak thing. People yeah. were like, this guy can't stay on the field. I'm like, is his spleen going to rupture again next year? I, I don't get yeah. it. It doesn't make any sense, but that is just the world we live in, especially on Twitter. I mean, Twitter is the place where anything is possible, both positive and negative. But um, I, I think we're thinking very in line with the running backs, at least. But what about wide receivers? Um, I think the wide receiver one is very interesting. And I think wide receiver probably more than almost any position. Like you can make an argument for so many guys. And I'm, I'm curious to see who you picked here. Yeah, there's a lot of names that like, like, DeAndre Hopkins is one that I'm like, he's not going as a wide receiver one. Uh, there, there's a lot of names. I mentioned Pittman already, but I'm going to highlight uh, a guy that I was very bullish on last year. And I think this is the year it happens. Jerry Judy. I mean, Ooh. Jerry, you were talking to Cortland Sutton. I know it's a new offense now, new, new play caller, new quarterback. But the one thing that I, I can't get over is whenever Sutton and Judy were on the field together, Judy was the one being used as their wide receiver one. He was the one getting their the bulk of the targets. I mean, Cortland Sutton had a stretch with J- Jerry Judy where he was averaging like three targets and less than three fantasy points per game last year. I expect both. I think both of them are wide receiver twos with wide receiver one upside with Russell Wilson. I just uh, I expect a, more passing. I think Judy could be like Tyler Lockett, but I think he can also be utilized as a as a deep threat. I, I think like the 
downfield abilities between Judy and Sutton is, is closer than it is between Lockett and DK in Seattle. So Judy is definitely one that I want to highlight. I think he is one of the best route runners in football. He reminds me a lot of Stefan Diggs when I watch him play. And then just to highlight another one, this one's even a little bit deeper, but Allen Robinson, I think, is is going to be – he's going as a wide receiver three right now in early drafts. Crazy. I think he has top 12 upside in, in this offense with Matt Stafford. I mean, we've seen this offense produce multiple wide receiver ones multiple times with Sean McVay. Yeah, Allen Robinson's another guy that I, I probably would have had, but, like, again, I've talked about him on multiple episodes too. Like, I think he's, like – I think he, We're in line. Absolutely. I think he's, like, one of the most underrated wide receivers in all of fantasy football. But Jerry Judy, I'm not as sold on, honestly – and, like, I think that I, – I don't know the stat off the top of my head. I wish I had it. But he's only had, like, two top 24 games in, out of, like, 25 career games so far. And, like, and here's the thing I'm saying with that. And I'm not, like, knocking him for that. It's more the fact that, like, he was used as the wide receiver one when he was playing last year. And he still couldn't even sneak into the top 24. And that doesn't mean that, like, he's – like, Sutton's going to be better because Sutton, like, wasn't even doing any better than that. But I think Sutton's another year coming off an ACL right now. I think that, like, he has not been used as much, and he's never had a guy that can throw deep, you know, the same way that Russell Wilson can, whereas Drew Locke said quarterbacks that can throw intermediate a little bit better, whereas Sutton has really had a guy that cannot show any, like, exploit any of his strengths really at all so far. So I'm leaning to Sutton a little bit, but I, I like both, both guys that I will be investing in. But mine is a guy that was one of my my guys last year, and I think I just wanted to exploit some of the bias, uh, and, and that's Deontay Johnson. Like, this guy literally just finished inside the top 12, and people have him way outside the top 12 because Mitchell Trubisky's the quarterback. And I'm not someone here that is saying, Mitchell Trubisky is far better than Ben Roethlisberger is. No, no, that's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying that Mitchell Trubisky targeted Allen Robinson 150-plus time the previous two years that he was the starter. Deontay's already been a wide receiver one. I know Trubisky isn't really necessarily better than Big Ben, but he likes to target his wide receiver ones. And Deontay Johnson's commanded 313 targets the last two years. And I know that Pat Fryermuth and Chase Claypool are so scary, but like Fryermuth had a 13% target share last year. I know he was used highly in the red zone, but it's not like he was a guy that was commanding targets all over the field. Chase Claypool commanded an 18% target share. I just think that Deontay's the man. I know reception perception. He's one of the absolute best reception perception guys like in the history of it. And for people that don't know, that's Matt Harmon charting how well wide receivers run routes. But Deontay's a guy for me. Please tell me you're on the same page here. I, I like Deontay a lot. My only concern, it, it has nothing to do with uh, the, the like, oh, worst quarterback player or anything yeah. like that. The only concern I have is him and Ben were on such the same page that like, he was legitimately the safest bet every week to get double-digit yeah. targets with Ben. I have a just a slight concern that maybe Trubisky has a little bit different uh, playing style, but I, I think the point you brought up of him peppering Allen Robinson with 150 targets every year is is, is enough to put the concern at ease to ease uh, for DeAndre. And, Deontay Johnson. And it's not a fair comparison to make, but I know it was similar to like Ryan Fitzpatrick last year and why people were in on McLaurin. Like Fitzpatrick loves to target, you know, whoever his wide receiver one is. And we've seen that historically with Trubisky. It doesn't mean that automatically like he's going to get his 150 targets he's had like on pace for the last two years. But I'm willing to buy at that price and, and really feel strongly that it's going to happen. But obviously nothing is ever for sure. But our final position that we're covering for this, you know, little dark horse segment is tight ends. Tight ends is an interesting one. I had a tough time with mine, 
but there is one guy that I'm I'm not a hundred percent sure, but I think there's a real case for it, and I'm excited to talk about that and have a discussion about it. But who is your tight end? There there was a number of I might say your guy. If I do, don't but, say, but there was a number of guys I considered, like like Logan Thomas, I think with Carson Wentz always peppering him with targets there, Cole Komet, Njoku, Evan Ingram, even uh, all names that I considered, but I had to go with my guy. This he's been my guy for a couple years now. He's a trendy pick on fantasy twitter right now but irv smith jr is my guy here uh i i think we saw two years ago down the stretch when they stopped using kyle rudolph irv smith was putting up tight end one numbers and i truly believe last year he was supposed to be that third target behind Thielen and jefferson we saw kj osborne have some nice games uh but I think Irv Smith was really going to be utilized in, in that third type of a uh, target role. The only thing I will say is the NFL draft is this Thursday. I think the Vikings are a candidate to take a receiver in the first round. Uh, and if they do, like if both of the, if the top two corners are gone, I think they could go receiver. And if that plays out and they end up using a premium pick on a receiver, then obviously I need to downgrade Irv Smith a bit. I, oh, I'm I'm gonna have to disagree here on on the Irv Smith one. Um, I I just I cannot get behind it. I mean, I just feel like the like to really be one of those top three or four tight ends. I think there has to be a clear path to targets, and his path to targets is Thielen and Dalvin Cook. You know, like continuing to get hurt. I feel like, but like I feel like right now, like he's like the fourth option at best in this path in this passing offense. And maybe I'm just you know fading him a little bit too much. And he had a nice stretch to finish. But I just think that, I mean, Justin Jefferson, I think, is going to continue to ascend and continue to get a higher target share. Adam Thielen's a guy I don't think they're ever going to stop using. I think Adam Thielen is underrated. And Dalvin Cook's a guy that they use all the time whenever he's on the field. So I just feel like the path for Irv Smith is going to be a little bit too hard. And I was looking for a guy that's a little bit more clear with a path to targets. Um, but I see what you're saying with Irv Smith. And I think if the Vikings don't draft a wide receiver, that obviously helps. But I don't know. I just feel like he's he's like the third op or the fourth option at best right now. But maybe am I am I being a little too biased on that? No, I, I think it's a legit concern. Um, for me, the thing is, I I, I think this is still a team that's gonna have to put up a lot of points to compete, yep. and even more so. I'm a low guy on Adam Thielen. Like I, I think Thielen is is very much so on the down part of his career, and, and I have been souring on him for a couple of years. So I, I think it it. Partially is why we see we feel different about Irv Smith as well. Sure, that's fair. And the guy I picked was a guy you actually did mention, um, but a guy that has a really clear path to targets, and it's Cole Komet. And Cole Komet like had 94 targets last year, 94 targets, no touchdowns. The Bears lost their third, fourth, and fifth target leaders. That's 144 vacated targets just from that. They lost three of their top five target share guys. He was eighth in targets at tight end, ninth in air yards, 11th in target share. And the biggest thing that I like about him is that he's 23 years old, but he had a 19.7% red zone target share last year, no touchdowns. That's a lot higher than his regular target share. They were using him in the red zone. He just could not find the end zone. So I think for that reason, the fact that I think that he's going to be almost a lock for 100 targets if they don't draft someone in round one, and the fact that they used him so heavily in the red zone, even though the touchdowns didn't come, I think he's bound for regression, and I think there's a chance that he could you know, leap up into that top five. I'm not super confident on it, but outside the top 12, I think that he has a good case and a good path for getting a lot of targets. So, But you said you considered him, right? Oh, yeah. I, I, I have him and Irv Smith back to back, uh, actually, and Logan Thomas. To me, those are my three favorite um, 
like tight end twos that I think, but then there's other names too. Like I said, like Ingram and Joku, Tunyon. Yeah. Like I, I think there's a good amount of tight end twos that if you don't get one of the elite tight ends, your strategy should be get one of the fallback tight end ones and then pair them with one of these upside tight end twos. Yeah, yeah, no, I like that. I like that. And the next part that we're going to do outside of the dark horse is a little keep trade cut. I got two of them, one for running back, one for wide receiver of guys that I think are really, really interesting this year and are pretty close. So the first one I have for you, and obviously for people that don't know, keep trade cut. Keep is the best running back out of the three. Trade is the guy that you get rid of. Second best and cut is the cut. Not a player that you're actually going to cut from your fantasy team, but the player that you believe is the worst out of the three. My first keep trade cut for you is Dalvin Cook, Joe Mixon, Najee Harris. How are you playing with those guys? It's pretty funny because I have all of these guys in the my tier two of running backs. Like tier one is the big four that I call them with McCaffrey and, and Henry joining Eckler and JT. And then I have these three and Javante Williams in my second tier. And I've jumbled them up numerous times. So uh, this is a very good question. I'm going to keep Dalvin Cook. Um, if this was Dynasty, it would be Najee Harris. But I still just believe that Dalvin Cook is the best talent of the three. I think uh, his workload is safe each and every week. I'm going to trade Najee Harris. He's so young. He's going to get all the work there. Um, I just have some concerns if he's going to get as many targets as he did last year because Ben is a statue and Mitch Trubisky is actually mobile. So, you know, he's not just going to look to dump it off the first sign of pressure. And then I will cut Joe Mixon uh partially because he's not the best of these three fellas uh, uh just in a personal way but also these three like i said i have them back to back to back i go back and forth on i'm excited about mixing they increase they improve their o-line you know they have burrow and chase and higgins that are going to open up stuff near the line of scrimmage but the thing about mixing is his workload in the past has kind of varied week by week i just think if healthy cook and harris are a safer bet to get you 20 plus touches each and every week Fair enough. I'm gonna I'm gonna play my Uno reverse card and give you the exact Ooh. opposite here. Uh, Joe Mixon's my keep. I mean, Joe Mixon. I think with the offensive line, especially how much they improved this from a really bad offensive line to I think an offensive line that might be a top ten offensive line. And I don't think Mixon's ever had an offensive line in the top twenty, if I'm not mistaken. You know, ranked in different run block metrics. And I think this offense is only going to continue to get year better. Get better. I mean, it's year three of of year three of T Higgins, year two of Jamar Chase, year three of Joe Burrow. You improve the offensive line to one of the best in the NFL, and you put Joe Mixon back there when he was already a top three running back last year. Sign me up. I'm going to trade Najee Harris because I think his workload's the safest out of anybody. I think he's going to be on the field probably the most in the entire NFL. And the reason that I have him over Dalvin Cook is more the concern for injuries. Older running backs tend to get hurt more. Dalvin Cook has never played even 16 games, let alone 17, where Najee has not missed any games in the NFL so far. I don't think he missed many games at all in college, and I think that he's a bet better bet to stay healthy than Dalvin Cook will, and I think they're going to produce similar numbers. And Dalvin Cook's my cut. I think that his production is still going to be great these are all guys that i have ranked back to back to back as well it's not like i'm hating on dalvin cook i just don't feel as confident about him playing like 16 or 17 games and i think the production will be similar between these three but i think Mixon is the best offense i'm going with him i i again i have them back to back to back yep. and i've had at like um two weeks ago Mixon was the highest of them this bunch is one that i i do keep shuffling and, and it's really one of those things that if i play in multiple leagues I'm cool taking each of them like in one league just to to kind yep. of get that variance. 
Absolutely. But what about wide receivers? I'm, I'm curious to see where we fall in this one. We're completely different on the running backs, but wide receivers, my three I picked for today. I went back for, back and forth with this all morning today, but keep, trade, and cut. Tyreek Hill, Keenan Allen, Mike Evans. Another good bunch that you pick because I have all of these guys in the same tier as well. Uh, after years, years of being the low guy on Mike Evans, I'm going to keep Mike Evans. I I think with him having Tom Brady back, with Chris Godwin having a late-season ACL tear, I, I wouldn't be surprised if Godwin is either, one, not fully ready to start the year, or two, is just not his normal self for the first half of this season. I think um, the Gronk, I still expect to come back, but I just think because there's no Antonio Brown there now, I, I know they have Russell Gage, but he's not going to get, I don't believe, a, a target share like Antonio Brown. If Chris Godwin isn't 100%, it could lead to Mike Evans just getting more volume than he normally does. Uh, so I have Mike Evans in my top 10 after for years being the low guy on him. Uh, I will trade Keenan Allen. Keenan Allen has been a guy near and dear to my heart ever since I told you when when he was labeled injury prone. Uh, he's he's as consistent as they come. I believe he's in one of the best offenses in football. Justin Herbert is my QB two on the year. So uh, I expect really big things out of this Chargers offense. I'll put this out here, too. Uh, Bills Chargers AFC Championship game. It's going to be a lot of fun. And then uh, I will I will cut Tyreek Hill because he is one. He's going to be my answer to your next question as well. He is one that I am having such a hard time really putting my finger on the pulse of Tyreek Hill this season. Yeah, no, that's that's fair. Um, I don't. We don't have to completely the same. I'm actually keeping Mike Evans. I really thought that like that was going to be where we were really different. But I, I wouldn't put it past like Mike Evans to score 20 touchdowns this year. Like, no <laughs> Antonio Brown. There's a real chance that Gronk doesn't come back. And if Chris Godwin isn't fully healthy, like this could be the Mike Evans show to the absolute moon this year with Tom Brady. I don't think Brady's going to fall off a cliff this year. You know, maybe maybe a few more years when he turns 50, playing in his final season. Um, but I don't think it's the year. Mike Evans. I agree with everything you said. I don't want to expound upon that. I'm trading Tyree Kill, and Tyree Kill to me is just like. I just I had I had him cut originally like that was what I was gonna go with right before the show I was like I just can't you you can't cut Tyree Kill he's just way too good I mean a top eight guy for the last five years the only year he didn't he was hurt I know he doesn't have Patrick Mahomes but I think it's interesting that Tua was number one in the NFL in deep ball completion percentage he was number one in red zone completion percentage in the entire NFL last year and I just feel like for how much money they gave Tyree Kill making him the highest paid player in the league where he's coming in at Miami. I just think he's too good to not still get an insane target share. I know he's playing in a loaded offense, and I know that targets are going to be difficult to come by, but you don't sign this guy to really make him – like you don't not sign this guy to really like show him off. And I think it's interesting that I heard a lot about the whole Debo Samuel situation to finish off here. And Mike McDaniel, I heard, was really one of the geniuses behind really you know scheming for Debo Samuel, and I expect them to do something similar for what they gave up to do with Tyreek Hill. So for that reason, I'm, I'm – trading Tyreek Hill but again these guys are all so close Keenan Allen is my cut Keenan Allen's going to continue to do Keenan Allen things but I think Tyreek Hill because of his upside and Mike Evans because of their both their upside I just think it's a little bit higher than Keenan Allen and I'm, I'm going with him for that reason I I get it I mean I I can't say a bad thing about the talent that is yep. Tyreek Hill like yep. you just can't definitely definitely but you mentioned it alluded to our second to last question here and 
who is the hardest player for you to rank this season? I think there's a lot of guys that are a little bit difficult to rank, especially before the draft. And we don't know exactly what some of these situations are going to look like, you know, a week from now, you know, like we might look like clowns, you know, after the draft for some of these, because like the thing, the situations will look so dramatically different um, as we're recording this before the draft. But who's the guy that for you that has been the most difficult to rank, you know, this season? Yeah. So because of the, the draft and because I've been recently putting a lot of my time into draft prep, my rankings, I, I've done the high end stuff so much of like the middle to low end, it, it's going to be determined by the draft. So I, I haven't really fully di- dove into that part yet, but Tyreek Hill, you mentioned him. He is one player of the higher end guys that I, I keep going back and forth on. He's going to be a wide receiver one for me. Um, I think, but I have concerns. Like, again, I'm not going to knock the talent of Tyreek Hill, but last season when teams started defending the Chiefs differently, like Tyreek Hill's A dot, his air yards per target went down. His yards per catch, I believe, went went down a good amount. So he became more of a receiver that was relying on a, on a lot of volume. Like 159 targets last year, by far a career high. Uh, his 111 catches were the first time he's ever had over 90. So wow. we, we saw the yards per catch really dip. Uh, the, the touchdowns, you know, nine. Is he going to be able to get that number again with Tua? And, and you mentioned that Tua I, – I do agree that I think Tua gets bashed too much on, on the deep ball. We haven't really seen him do a whole lot of it, and that's by yep. design at the NFL level. Um but if Tua can't, if they struggle to to connect on that deep ball with him and Tyreek Hill, I, I still think Mike McDaniel is a genius. I, I think there'll be enough where Tyreek Hill can be a wide receiver one at year's end. But I think he would go from being one of those receivers who, because there's a difference between being a wide receiver one and being one of the elite consistent wide receivers every week. And Tyreek Hill has been that guy with the Chiefs. I could see him now becoming one of these receivers who one week he gives you you know, it's like 10, 8, 11, 25. And, and like, to me, that is, is a little bit more frustrating. So Tyreek Hill and how his volume is going to shake out with the Dolphins and what it's going to look like exactly is one that I keep going back and forth on uh, so far in the early part of my draft rankings. Yeah, I mean, no, I, I, I think so too. I think he's very hard to rank. He'll continue to be very hard to rank. And the guy for me that's really, really tough because I want to like put him in the top 15, but I also like want to keep him outside the top 25 is Amon Ross St. Brown. I mean, again, we're, like, he, we're, I feel like he could go absolutely nuclear or maybe he just like had a great stretch with Swift and Hawkinson out. Like I, I'm, I'm going to lean towards like that he's going to be really great this year. But I think that, like, you just never know. And I think for, like, how uncertain, who they're going to draft, you know, first of all, but also, like, what their offense is going to look like when they get, you know, their two biggest stars back out on the field and what that looks like, that's going to be the most difficult thing for me um, when ranking Amon Ross St. Brown. Sounds like you would have something similar, but I know the draft will determine some things before you get deeper into your rankings. Yeah, no, uh, Amon Ross was someone that I loved last year. Uh, I drafted him in a bunch of spots. I wrote about – I think I can – confidently say i wrote about him more than anyone in the waiver wire columns because i wrote about him almost every single week um (laughs) until he broke out but it was a lot more fun when he was a later round pick now taking a wide receiver two price on him i I still think he's their top target there but a lot of times in my early drafts i'm like uh i'd rather go like Allen robinson or something like that over him 
Yeah, definitely. Another honorable mention for this list that I, I should have thought of as well with him would be like someone like Rashad Penny, especially with the prospect of like Chris Carson coming back and what that's going to look like. I think he's another interesting one. There's so many guys that, that could be hard to rank, like Gabriel Davis, another one that I know Twitter is like Twitter's favorite argument. Not as much. I think people are a little bit more consensus on that now. But again, things to decide. But my final question today, my favorite question, I say this every single week, is what is your 2022 flag plant, your boldest prediction that you believe in for this season? You got to tell me how bold this is, but I'm going to say this year's Cooper Cup, not in the sense of (laughs) breaking out and putting up, you know, the second most receiving yards ever, but in the sense of like a middle round receiver who is going to give you like weekly wide receiver one production it's got to be Michael Thomas, right? Like Ooh. this is a guy who has the receiving had the receptions record. He's a couple of years ago was the first receiver. We were talking about the best in the league. I know we haven't seen him in a couple of years, but he's got a quarterback that I, I think can not only get him the ball better than, you know, we, we would have seen out of him last season, I think, but I think for the first time in Michael Thomas's career, he is a quarterback that can throw the ball downfield. We call him slant boy, but that's unfair when he had a noodle arm Drew Brees who relied on timing and accuracy. That was the unstoppable route for them. I think Michael Thomas can be used down the field. I think we're all just kind of forgetting how good Michael Thomas is. And if he plays a full season, I think he can be a wide receiver one. And right now in early drafts, you can get this guy as potentially as your wide receiver three in like the fifth or sixth round at times. Definitely. And I think that he's going to ascend this year with Jameis Winston from slant boy to slant man. I think that we're going to see you know, him be slant man. I think we're going to see him used all over the field. And I think he's going to show us why he's going to be great. I love that pick. I love Michael Thomas. And I hope that, you know, for him, not only his sake, but I'd love to see, you know, Jameis, you know, just have a really great year with Michael Thomas. And I'd love to see them like go for like 20 touchdowns together. Something like absurd that like will never happen. But I feel like every year, Jameis. Yeah, some W. We got to eat some W's this year. <laughs> that would be absolutely amazing to say. But it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on the show today. And wait, I, wait, wait, uh, wait, 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 wait. You didn't oh. give us your flag plan. I'm not ready. I can't yet. I, oh. can't, I can't give my flag plan. I'm not. I, I, I mentioned in the episode, and I've been saying this for a few episodes now, but like I want to make sure I have like the most clear cut, concise argument that I possibly can for this. Because okay. my, hold on, because my last three years, my flag plants were DeAndre Swift, Calvin Ridley, and Chris Godwin. I, I take a lot of pride in the flag plant, and I'm not one of those idiots that, like, comes out on Twitter and I just, like, you know, pick, like, one of my takes from last year and call it my flag plant. Like, on record, that's been it the last three years, and I want to make sure before I officially, you know, plant uh, Trey Lance that uh, that I make sure I have, like, the most solid argument possible for that. But I will say that Jalen Hurts was my flag plant last year, and I changed it in August because I was like, you know what? Like, I just believe too much in Swift. But I've continued my Swift propaganda long after last season. And I see the jersey behind you, and I'm with you on on every player that you've mentioned as your flag plants or the ones that you're considering. I'm like, oh, I liked that guy this year, that year, or I like that guy heading into this year. So we've been on the same page a lot. Absolutely. And maybe maybe we just have this connection that we just really didn't know about till now. I mean, I haven't met Kevin White too. So maybe I have to meet Kevin White in a bar <laughs> and then we can say like we fully have the connection, but I'll meet Mac Jones. I'll do the gritty with him. We'll see yeah, if the connection's there, there. Okay. All right. Well, that's that's a great way to put it, but <laughs> it's been a pleasure to have you on the show today. Could not be more thankful for you taking the time out. Um, but I think we had a good show today. I think everything was really great. But before we go, is there anything that you want to plug or you want to tell the listeners about before we get out of here? 
Uh, just NFL Network, NFL.com. You can catch a lot of my work. Also, Roto Baller. Uh, and I'm doing some stuff on, I, I host twice a week on the weekends for Sirius XM on the Roto Baller radio there. So, plenty of places to get, uh, catch me talking baseball, football, whatever sport you want to hear me talk about. Absolutely. I love it. And continue to keep up the great work. It's so great to see everything you're doing. Keep up that shoe game. You got a lot to hold up this year. I know we said that, but you got to be ready. But Otherwise, it's been a pleasure on the show, and it's been a pleasure for all you Fresh Fantasy listeners for listening to today's episode. I could not appreciate you guys more for you guys listening and talking with us today. But thank you so much again. Please leave a review. You guys already know what to do, and I hope you all have a great rest of your day.